Thank you, Kim. Thank you all for being here again. Merry Christmas to you. Let me ask you this question. Uh, what would be an unlikely surprise this Christmas? Unlikely, but a wonderful surprise. Let me give you some options. How about this, students? There are some students among us. Uh, imagine you went home tonight, and as you drove into the driveway, there it was, parked in the car, brand new for you with a red bow on top, the car that you've always wanted. Wouldn't that be great? Is anyone hoping for that tonight? Uh, you know, I always hope for that, uh, but it never happened. Unlikely, but would be wonderful. Let me, let me give one to the moms and to the grandmoms uh, tomorrow, perhaps. Mom, imagine if tomorrow in the hustle and bustle of getting Christmas dinner ready, all the men in the house just came in to the kitchen and said, Mom, go sit down, sit on the couch. We're going to take care of the food for the rest of the day. Yeah. Unlikely, but wonderful, wouldn't it be? Yeah. Unlikely, but wonderful. How about this one? Uh, how about you go home and uh, tonight, well, I don't know, maybe you do your stockings tonight, maybe you do them in the morning, but how about this? What if you were to open up that stocking, pull out that stocking, and out of that stocking was a check made out to you for $100,000? Sign it over to <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to talk about money tonight, okay? Unlikely, but a wonderful surprise, right? Imagine this. Imagine another unlikely, but wonderful surprise. Imagine if you gather with your family tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, or tomorrow evening, and as you gather with that extended family, there were no squabbles and no family tension. Yeah, unlikely, but wonderful, right? <laughs> unlikely, but wonderful. Uh, this afternoon, or actually it was this morning, my son and I, we were able to veer off the Dallas North Tollway and, and turn into the star for a little while where we, where we were able to throw the football out on the outdoor field at the star. Fun stuff. And I imagine there as I was throwing the football with my eight-year-old, you know, maybe there's some exec or some recruiter for the Dallas Cowboys up there in the third floor. And he's looking down and he's like, you know, that, get, that dad still has some has some arm on him. I mean, he, he looks only about five foot six from here, but maybe Dak, maybe he's Dak's backup. Unlikely, but how wonderful would it be? The story of Christmas to those in Jesus' day, to those that uh, came before Jesus in the Old Testament is an unlikely, but wonderful surprise. And this evening, I want to take us to an unlikely Christmas passage, and actually, it brings up an unlikely Christmas song. So if you have a Bible on your phone or in front of you, and you want to just travel with me quickly to Matthew chapter 1, I, this won't be long, okay, parents, bear with me, kids, bear with me, but I want us to look at an unlikely Christmas passage. If you go home tonight and maybe you have a tradition of reading the Christmas story, I would bet that most of you do not begin at Matthew 1.1. My guess is that if you read the Christmas story, you probably turn to Luke chapter 2 or you might turn to Matthew, but you would begin at Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. But there's 17 verses here that set up the story of Christmas that are unlikely 
story, unlikely uh, Christmas passage, but has a wonderful message for us. And rather than read these difficult uh, names and all 16 of these verses, I uh, decided to have it sung to you. So listen with me to the wonderful creative song here by Andrew Peterson as he sings Matthew chapter 1 to us. Follow along in your Bibles. Abraham had Isaac, Isaac he had Jacob, Jacob he had Judah and his kin. Well, then Perez and Zerah came from Judah's woman Tamar. Perez he brought Hezron up and then came Aram, then Amenadab, then Nashan, who was then the dad of Salmon, who with Rahab fathered Boaz. Ruth she married Boaz, who had Obed, who had Jesse. Jesse he had David, who we know as king. David he had Solomon by dead Uriah's wife. Solomon, well, you all know him. He had good old Rehoboam, followed by Abijah, who had Asa. Asa had Jehoshaphat, had Joram, had Isaiah, who had Jotham, then Ahaz, then Hezekiah. Followed by Manasseh, who had Amon, who was a man, who was father of a good boy named Josiah. Father Jehoiakim, who caused the Babylonian captivity because he was a liar. And then he had Shealtiel, who begat Zerubbabel, who had Abiud, who had Eliakim. Eliakim had Azer, who had Zadok, who had Achim. Achim was the father of Eliakim. Listen very closely, I don't want to sing this twice. Jacob was the father of Joseph, husband of Mary, mother of Christ. All right. You heard that before? An unlikely Christmas song. That's probably not one uh, that you're going to hear sung. Probably uh, maybe you will go and download that tonight and uh, have your kids sing it next Christmas, right? Matthew chapter 1, not the way we would start a story, but Matthew begins the story of Jesus coming, not with once upon a time or a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but instead he begins the story with a genealogy, a family tree of Jesus. And what's unlikely about these verses are the names that we find in them. Now, there's some familiar Old Testament names to people that studied the Old Testament. The, the, the Jews in Jesus' day would, would know the name Abraham, would, of course, remember their hero, King David. But what we find in these verses, and as we've looked at for the past four weeks in our studies here at Centennial, is that there are, are some people in this line, in this family tree, that are quite broken branches, And what I mean by that is is Jesus came into a family that was very imperfect. 
He came to people that were broken and needy and had failed God, and he chose to come through that family line. And what he does by coming through imperfect people is that he gives us a preview. The people that Jesus come from gives us a preview of the people that Jesus came for. The people that Jesus came from give us a preview of the people that Jesus came for. And what we find in this list of people, if you study it, is that in this list are adulterers, murderers, prostitutes, outsiders, foreigners, widows. That Jesus' family tree is not the perfect, pristine tree that we might think that God would come from this perfect family. In fact, he comes, this family tree is quite imperfect, quite broken. And it culminates and ends, obviously, with Jesus' parents. His adopted father, Joseph, and this unlikely Mother of Jesus, Mary. Now, if you were God in heaven planning how you were going to rescue the world and how you were going to send the Savior, we'll get to that in a second. Would you even send a human Savior to the world? But would you choose Mary? Would you choose a peasant teenage girl? Would you choose someone that would uh, come out of scandal to deliver the Son of God? Would you choose someone poor? Would you choose someone engaged? Would you choose someone from a small little backwater town, unknown and quite emphatically normal? Is that the way you would do it? Well, nevertheless, the, what we would plan, that's the way God chose to do it. He chose to use this very unlikely vessel Mary. And that's the way he's chose to work in all of history, that he takes weak people, that he takes small people, that he takes unlikely people, and he graces them to come from them and then also to bring them into his family. That's a story of grace. Like the God of the universe comes to us and he says, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your life totally put together. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be an aristocrat. You don't have to be morally perfect. You just have to be broken and needy. That's the good news of Christmas. You don't have to have your life together to receive the good news of Christmas. Amen. You actually just have to know that you don't have life together and that you need the Savior. And so when Mary was confronted, hey, the Son of God is going to come from you, Mary, she resisted that. And then finally, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, her reply finally is, I am a servant of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. And she said, I'm, God, I'm here. If this is the way you work, I'm yours. I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Not only is this an unlikely family, not only is, is the ancestors, are the ancestors of Jesus folks that you and I wouldn't pick out, 
people at the bottom of the rung, people with a, with a background, people with a history. Not only is this an unlikely family, but it's also an unlikely way to save the world. That Jesus would come this way as a baby. And that he would be born not in a palace, but in a stable to an unwed teenage mother with no one to witness it but foreign wise men and shepherds who were not notable people. It's an unlikely family and it's an unlikely advent. And yet it's the way that Jesus comes. God doesn't save us by shouting from the heavens. God doesn't save us by writing words in the clouds of say, hey, acknowledge me. God doesn't, doesn't send us an email or put it on a billboard. Instead, he comes flesh and blood in the person of Jesus 2,000 years ago. He wraps himself in humanity to be hungry, to be rejected, to be tired, to be scorned. To come to his very own people, to his very own race and be rejected. It's an unlikely way to save the world and yet it's the way that God has chosen to work. Through weak people and through a savior who makes himself weak, who makes himself small so that he might save us. You may uh, be here tonight and you may be here uh, out of obligation. You may be here begrudgingly. You, you may be right now fighting hunger and just let's get to the meal. But here's what I want to challenge you this morning. If there is anything within you that says, man, I don't have life together, then the good news of Christmas is for you. And if you're at a place in your life where you say, you know what, I've heard the Jesus story, I know these Christmas traditions, but I'm just not buying it anymore. Let me say this to you. Jesus will do you no good until you know that you need him. Jesus will do you no good until you know that you need him. But when you find yourself in a place beyond yourself, when you find your, yourself in, in a place of worry, anxiety, in a place of questioning, Jesus will always be there to say, will you believe me now? And if you believe me now, the promise still holds true. That great promise, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. The child that we celebrate tonight, the child that's been celebrated for 2,000 years came in an unlikely family, in an unlikely way, in an unlikely place, and was placed in an unlikely bed, a wooden manger. In the quiet of night, with only shepherds, animals, and a few wise men to come and see, but that same Savior that came to a wooden trough would live a perfect life, would show us the very ways, the very likeness of God. And 30 years later, he would hang on a wooden cross, not because of any wrong in him, 
but because of the wrong in you and me. And you may think that's a once upon a time story, but if you give it a listen, if you give it a chance, I think you will find by the power of the Holy Spirit that the coming of Jesus will change you from the inside out and give you love, joy, peace, and hope that you can't find in any other way. Matthew 1 goes on in Matthew 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 21. It tells us that, that, that Jesus is named Jesus. Why? Because he would save people from their sins. As I said before, the only thing you need to know to come to Jesus is to know that you need Jesus. He only comes to those who know they need him. And to those who need him, he forgives them of their sin because of the blood he shed on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago. Matthew 1 is good news. It's good news for you and me because it says that he comes to people that have a past like you and me. He comes to the best of us. He comes to the worst of us if we admit our need. Matthew 1 also shows us, and Jesus coming also shows us, that God cares and God knows. Because this God, this Jesus, took on flesh, took on humanity, he knows our frailty. He knows our weakness. He knows the, the pain of humanity. He knows the depravity and the brokenness of this world because he came to it his very self. And the choice that we have, either tonight or as you go throughout your days, is to say, is to decide, is this a once upon a, once upon a time story or is this the story of all stories? And if it's really true, if it's really true and you embrace it, it can change you from the inside out and bring you hope, bring you love, bring you joy that you can't know any way apart from Jesus. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and he lived among us. God took on flesh. Light came into the darkness so that you and I could have hope and joy and peace. And I hope that tonight as you celebrate, I hope that as you go home, as you celebrate tomorrow, that you wouldn't just open gifts, you wouldn't just see the packages, but that you would see the gift of all gifts in Jesus, the unlikely Savior from an unlikely family for people like you and me, weak and needy and sinful and broken. I want to invite you to pray with me. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes, if you will. And I want you to reflect. I'm going to read uh, the words of another pastor, a poem, who describes the mystery of this baby, the mystery of the Son of God who took on flesh. 
He who breathed life, he who breathed the breath of life into the first man is now himself a man breathing his first breath. The king of kings sleeping in a cow pen. The creator of oceans and seas and rivers afloat in the womb of his mother. God sucking his thumb. The alpha and omega learning his multiplication tables. He who was once surrounded by the glorious, seraphonic praise of adoring angels now hears the lowing of cattle, the bleeding of sheep, the stammering of bewildered shepherds. He who spoke the universe into being now coos and cries. Omniscient deity counting his toes. Mary playing this little piggy went to market on the toes of God. Well, being Jewish, maybe it was this little pony. From the robes of eternal glory to the rags of swaddling cloths, the omnipresent spirit whose being fills the galaxy confined to the womb of a peasant girl. Infinite power learning to crawl. Mary playing patty cake with the Lord of Lords. Father God, we thank you for what we believe is your answer to our heart's desire. The answer to the brokenness in our world, the answer to the emptiness within our hearts, that you have come near in Jesus to show us yourself to pay for our sin and to give us the hope, joy, and love of life eternal and the kingdom to come. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray tonight that this story would not just be a tradition or a story in all of our hearts tonight, but that you, by your power, would make it real and transformative for every person who's gathered here to celebrate tonight, whether they came to celebrate or not, that this story would be our story. That we would be changed by this good news of God with us. Jesus, we celebrate you. We sing happy birthday. We thank you for your taking humanity on. We thank you for suffering among us, for visiting our planet, for suffering on our behalf, for dying a brutal death in our place, and for giving us your righteousness by faith. Jesus, we love you, not as we should, but we love you and ask, Jesus, that in the days and year ahead, you would help us to love you more. And Jesus, we look forward with much anticipation, with groaning for your soon return. That if we don't meet you first, that you will come quickly to this earth and inaugurate and bring your kingdom. 
full of your love, full of your hope, full of your peace. Jesus, we love you. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.